In the last session, we looked at how to interrogate a text with some questions. Ron is especially good at that. Um, and I'll have the pleasure of talking with you this morning about tracing. I feel like I'm getting out a toy to play with it in, uh, in front of you. This is a fun, a fun tool for Bible study. Let me start off with an illustration. Uh, maps. I need maps. I'm not very good at directions. I have an uncle who's in the military, and he, if you call him up and say, hey, I'm uh, 10 minutes away, he'll remind you of exactly how to get to the place you're going. Even though you've been there a couple times, he'll give you every signal, every turn. He says that when he was in the military, anywhere he went, he had to figure out how to get out. Uh, he ended up in some pretty crazy places, so he's always planning his escape. And uh, even when he leaves our place, he'll talk about which route he'll take back, and he's a character, and he knows it. He jokes about himself, but he's very good with directions, and I am not. What's especially impressive to me is the old-school mappers. I have this, an old, old-world globe in my office at home, and, uh, you know, Florida's a little stubby, and, uh, you know, the world, it looks like the world, but doesn't quite look like it, like we have from a satellite. It's very impressive to me how this was done. I can hardly draw a picture of something immediately in front of me, and uh, these guys sailed around, walked around, and mapped out the terrain and the, the edges and the shape of the world. So mapping. Well, mapper's job is to discern the shape of the land, its main features, its terrain, and he has to pay attention, has to study and write it down if he or she's going to get it right, if they're going to lead others where they have gone. They don't get to decide what's there, and they're not always right when they map it out. Um, but they have special tools that they use in order to document what they observe and represent, remember, and share what they have seen. And this is basically what tracing is. It's not a magic formula for uh, finding out what the Bible means, but it is a tool for excavating the text of Scripture. Let's look at a definition. There you go. Let's look at a definition. Tracing is a tool to help you more faithfully hear and share God's word by following the flow of thought in a text. Tracing is a tool to help you, help you more faithfully hear and share God's word by tracing the flow of thought in a text. It's a tool for listening carefully to the Bible. We are all mappers. We are all mappers of Scripture. We are all to study Scripture. And this is a mapping technology. It's a way of visually representing the flow of ideas in a Bible passage. So we've demonstrated a few tools this morning, some online tools. Ryan held up his, uh, his, his uh, several-page uh, text of the book of Philippians. Now he's highlighted different themes. And this is another tool in the tool belt for excavating, for seeing what's actually, what's actually there. And I said it's a tool, it's, it is kind of like a gadget. When I learned this in seminary, I just fell in love, I fell in love with, with this process. I am not a grammar guy. I am not very well at grammar. Oh, so I'm not very good at grammar. Uh, I'm just joking. Um, but th- but th- uh, this works for me. I'm also not very clear-headed. Some might say I'm clear. I don't feel like I'm very clear-headed. I have confused many people in talking in conversation. But when it comes to the Bible, uh, a minister and a teacher of Scripture must be clear-headed. We must see what's there clearly if we're going to communicate it. And as we're all Bible teachers to our own souls and to one another, it's important for us to know how to study the Scripture. So this is another tool in your tool belt. Um, a few, a few, just a rationale 
click here. I hate PowerPoint, but I love it. All right, a rationale. I want to give you a few reasons why this is important. Tracing can be useful in our reading of any genre of the Bible. It is perhaps especially important with the New Testament letters which sustain long arguments. Ever ever open up to a part of a New Testament letter and you're like, whoa, whoa, what is that going? Well, it's probably part of a long thought. It's one thought under, connected to many other thoughts. It's part of one larger thought. The New Testament letters especially sustain long and complicated sometimes arguments. So here's, here's a paragraph. You don't have to write it down. Here's a paragraph. Give you a rationale for uh, tracing. Tracing is super. It is super. Uh, it helps us to hear what God is saying by discerning his thoughts. Words are hard. We sometimes say around here, these words are hard. If Brian's ever working on an outline and we're trying to figure out how to He's trying to figure out how to put it, uh, make it go down smooth. Sometimes we'll joke, words are hard. Words can be hard. So, so following trains of thought can be hard. And this is a very hands-on approach to reading. It's, it's like highlighting or underlining. It's like wrestling with the Bible. Tracing will help you to do that. Take our best shot most of the time. But we need to be aware of, uh, first, the ideas. Uh, we need to be aware that the, the first ideas into our mind are not always God's thoughts. And so... Tracing helps us to, to think God's thoughts after him as we read scripture. It helps to guide our thoughts and our mind after him. It protects us from false teaching by setting every verse in context. Much of the New Testament, I think the book of Galatians we've mentioned this morning, is a long argument to make clear what Christians believe because salvation hangs on what we believe. And so to protect you from false doctrine, part of our job in equipping the saints is to teach you how to study the Bible. Be a Berean to test what you hear against the Word of God. I remember being in a Bible study one time, I'm listening to uh, Bible, uh, visiting another town, attended a Bible study with my friend, a college Bible study uh, on the book of Galatians. And uh, they all opened up to the middle, middle of Galatians and read a paragraph and kind of just everyone shared whatever came to their mind. It had nothing to do with anything that was going on in the book of Galatians. It was all what came to him at first thought. But that group, that group, if that's the nature of their interaction with the Bible, is not ready to defend the gospel or to stand firm on the faith once delivered if they are thrown off by um, a false teacher. So, so protecting ourselves against false teaching is another reason to carefully trace uh, arguments in the Bible. Uh, it also helps us to obey God's word by making plain the agenda and the emphasis of Scripture. It's possible to see something that's there in a paragraph, but not to see why the paragraph is there in the first place and to miss the proper emphasis of what God's word is communicating at any moment. You know, you can half listen to your spouse and uh, catch one thing, like totally miss what they were saying, right? right? You can listen carefully to our, our spouses, our, our loved ones and friends, and certainly, certainly to God. And it helps us to communicate God's word by helping us to explain what is there, to explain what is there. The Bible has to be clear to us before we can make it clear to others. We ha- tracing will help us to see, remember, and explain what's there, all with the goal of more heat and light, right? God would set our hearts uh, afire for him, that, that his word would excite us in uh, some deep and emotional ways. And, and some of my best memories in studying scripture, lights coming on, uh, are when I saw a connection, maybe even through this method of tracing. And all of this, I say here, to the end that we might know and love God, know and love God better. 
Now, here's what this looks like if we were to break that sentence down into propositions. You get a little what's your taste buds for tracing here. Tracing is super, all right? I have made a proposition. That is a thought on its own. It is super. It helps us uh, to hear what God is saying by discerning his thoughts. Helps us to hear what God is saying. And, and how does it do that? By helping us to hear his thoughts. It protects us from Paul's false teaching by. So we have three of these, three reasons, right? Three reasons why tracing is super. And all of this purpose uh, that we might know and love God better. So tracing, tracing will, this process will kind of help you visually represent this here. You go from paragraph to something that you can see. So a visual way to represent, like a map, like mapping. All right, so that's a rationale. Hopefully you're just so convinced now this is what we need to do. How thoughts relate to thoughts. A few qualifications uh, real quick here. One, you can read the Bible without tracing. Um, you can do it. You, you can, you can, you, you're going to do a lot of what I'm going to describe here on your own. Um, but especially with New Testament letters, when you're dealing with whole books, this tool can help you uh, speed that process up and see things you might not otherwise see. Another, another qualification, it's not an exact science. There are sometimes several ways to, to, to diagram or trace a section. And then also, my, my goal here isn't necessarily that you would walk out of here and just do this all the time. Uh, I would like for you to be able to do it, to whet your appetite, so that you might pursue this kind of study more uh, seriously, especially those of you who are teaching Scripture. But maybe most importantly and most basically that you would leave here saying, every thought relates to another thought when I read the Bible. And I'm not, my Christianity will not be a proverb Christianity, where every, 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 any scripture I come across is a line that stands on its own. But anything God has ever said relates to everything else he said, especially when we come to books and letters. That is certainly the case. So my goal is that we be uh, readers with eyes wide open. Okay, so how thoughts relate to thoughts. Here you have a, maybe two dozen or a, 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 about 20 or so different ways that thoughts can relate to, to other thoughts uh, when you're looking at the Bible. And I'll tick through some examples here. I should be able to write on the screens. We're really happy with this new app. It's cool. All right, so um, some, rela- uh, some relationships are coordinate to one another. That they, uh, they're independent clauses. That's how they relate to one another. You might be familiar with that language. Matthew 7, 8, everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is what we call a, a series. It's like the paragraph I showed you a few minutes, minutes ago, and you might, you might trace this like this. Yeah, look at that. It's a series. Let's do the next one. Progression. Romans 8, 30, those whom he predestined, he called. And those he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Like a stack. There's a, there's a progression here, right? Let me say this. Um, you're gonna, uh, you might be tempted to write all this down. This isn't in your notes. It might be best to watch this. Uh, I'll make something available somehow to you, probably through the blog next week. Let's do that. Um, with these on here. And then you'll see more intricately a, a tracing of a text of Philippians in a few minutes. So anything you'll see here, for the most part, is going to be uh, in the next little section under this session.
Okay, and here's, uh, here's an alternative statement. Acts 28, 24. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. The but will signal this one, usually. Not too hard. Romans 3.28, action manner. Action manner. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. One statement of action and another that clarifies what is involved in that, what is meant by that. Maybe it's a means to it. You'll notice on your how thoughts relate to thoughts page, I give some key words. And these, these pretty much do the job. Most of the time, uh, these kinds of relationships are indicated here. Sometimes these words are assumed for action, manner, by, or in that, or common. Action, manner. Then you've got comparison, Ephesians 5.2, and walk in love as Christ loved us. Use a little CF to represent that. Negative and positive statements. This is similar to alternative. Negative and positive, is, it's usually the case that one is uh, negating the other. Do not be foolish, Ephesians 5.17, but instead understand what the will of the Lord is. Negative, positive. Idea explanation. Genesis 27:36. for he has uh, cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. A couple things going on here. We might see a progression here. But otherwise, idea, explanation. See that? He cheated me these two times. Here's what I mean. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Question and answer. This one couldn't be too hard. Romans 4, 3. Or what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So this would be action result. We'll get that one in a second, actually. Sorry about the handwriting. Action result. But then all of that is a question and answer. Now, we're doing this kind of at a micro level, looking at a single verse. You can do this with whole sections. Think of the book of the Romans. He'll ask a question, and you'll have a whole whole page answering it. So you'll have a bunch of tracing going on, but really the whole thing is an answer to a question that was raised, which you don't want to miss. You have ground here, uh, the basis for something. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Giving a basis for a statement. These happen a lot. One makes an assertion, one gives the ground of the reasons for that assertion. Conclusion, we can draw conclusions from certain assertions, make an assertion, then draw a conclusion from that. This might also be called inference. Conclusion isn't the best word for this, I don't think, because uh, you can think it's like a conclusion, like you might to a paragraph or to a letter. It doesn't necessarily mean that. First Peter 4, 7, And the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So maybe this would be action, purpose, should be obvious. And then this is a conclusion, 
drawn on the basis of that first statement. Action results, we've seen one of these already, Matthew 8.24. There arose a great storm in the sea so that the boat was swamped by the waters. This would be uh, action manner. That's how the boat was swamped. This is action result. See that? And in some are a purpose. And by the way, so that can indicate different things. So here's the key. Part of what tracing will do is it will force you to uh, identify a situation that you must in, where you're interpreting something. It's not always plain on the face. Sometimes something's a result. Sometimes something's a purpose. Sometimes it's not even altogether clear. And you have to make a decision, an interpretive decision, based on context as to what you think is going on here. So sometimes you read it, you read the Bible, and you're making assumptions about relationships of thoughts to thoughts. And tracing will help make a decision. And sometimes there's overlap, but at least you're recognizing when you're in a moment like this. This is action and purpose, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that, in order that, at the proper time he may exalt you. Action and purpose. Conditional, Galatians 5.18. If you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. If, then. Okay, and then there's time. There are time indicators in the Bible. Matthew 6.16. When you fast, do not look gloomy. Then there are location indicators as well. Indicates where a particular statement would be true. Matthew 13.20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Ah, sorry. L. Okay. And there's uh, uh, some statements which indicate uh, their, their concessions, concessive statements. Hebrews 5.8, Although he was a son, he learned, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Although is almost yet or nevertheless or but or however would indicate a concessive statement. Three letters there for that one. And then uh, situation response, Matthew 23, 37. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. So this would be uh, action manner, right? But all of this would be situation response. That's how they respond. Yeah, see? Not too hard. Especially when you look at it uh, line by line. So, I don't know. If you fiddle with this over time, these start to wear their way into you, so you're looking at it, you go, ah, question, answer. You, know, you can know, identify a question, answer, and if, then, easily, right? Um, well, these, the, the rest of these, it might be like, you might think you have to have them all memorized, but kind of, the more you do this, the more they, they can become as obvious as no, identifying a question and an answer. Uh, and just, we've been looking at little verses, little tiny little verses, but you can do this at a macro level in a book. So you keep zooming out. 
Uh, you can relate paragraphs to one another, even whole sections of a book to one another. Think of the book of Ephesians, a familiar book with a very clear breakdown. Ephesians 1 through 3, focusing on what God has done for us in Christ. In the second half of the book, 4 through 6, focusing on the therefore, how we ought to live. So you could trace it like that. It's a conclusion. It's conclusions on the, drawn on the basis of implications drawn from the first three chapters in the second. The whole book has two halves. Noticing that is crucial for teaching or, or properly understanding any part of the book. And you can, heck, you can do this with the whole Bible. Now, the Bible's books aren't ordered in a way as to make a point, except as perhaps especially at the level of, or it is at the level of Old and New Testaments, right? So if you were to do this, and what, would you, what, what might you suggest be, relationship between the Old and New Testaments? Yeah, a number of ways to kind of summarize the... If I was using these little tracing things, I might just put the word P, progression, right? Uh, there is a movement from uh, one side of the Bible to the other, and, and that's just apparent, um, apparent here. Okay, so let's take a look at Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Now, this is how it's going to look on your Bibles, right? That stress you out? Well, sit down and read it. You know, if you if you read this a couple times, you're gonna you're gonna get the point. You're gonna get the point. Um, once you've isolated a section of scripture that hangs together, usually your Bibles are breaking this down into paragraphs. You have headers. You have some help there. That's still what it looks like. And for me, for me, studying the Bible, uh, my my mind just can have a hard time. Um, I, my, the gears are moving slower when I'm looking at texts this way. Now, maybe not for what Ryan described earlier where you're outlining, you're noticing um, themes, you're just reading like you would a book. You're reading and you're noticing things, and so you're highlighting. But for studying carefully a particular passage, this um, is so helpful to me, but not uh, as helpful as it would be to break it down into propositions. So what you'll see on your page here, on the next page, you've got all the secret answers. Don't turn there yet. But on this page, you've got a list of propositions. I've broken them down into column thoughts. Sometimes um, it could be broken down more or less. Um, so I'll use the language of thoughts here. Break it down into thoughts. What are the relationships of thoughts to thoughts? And maybe you have 25 or so separate thoughts here that we're going to follow together. So let's break this down by sentence. Now, this is a little superficial, too, so you won't always break it down by sentence, but this particular text lent itself to that. The more you stare at it and fiddle with it, you can see some natural divisions and ways that you would uh, put this together, and sentences usually will do it for you. Um, and, and sometimes there are sentence in the, sentences in the Bible which in the Greek were more than one sentence. That's why I say that. But for our purposes, we'll break it down by sentence and trace each Sentence by itself. What do, you, what do you guys see here? Start throwing some stuff out at me. You got a series? Okay, and, and 1A through 1D. That's good. Now, sometimes you'll notice a connection that you'll want to wait to trace. This is a, sometimes it can take some time to decide which, where the lowest relationships are. Um, See, any, see anything else here in verse 1? Hey, you got an if-then. You're right. I'm going to wait a second to trace that one. 
What else do you see? You see a comparison? Yeah, good. There is a relationship there, there with what comes before it. But for our purposes and just looking at just this here, we wouldn't, that wouldn't come into play until we zoom out a little bit. But you, good, good to identify the so, though. See another series. Complete my joy. How? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. There's an action and manner there, good. Complete my joy, how? By, here's, a, here's, here's how that comes about, by being of the same mind, having the same love. Sometimes it, you can, idea explanation could work there too, right? Complete my joy, here's what I mean by, he's explaining. Idea explanation could work, but action manner seems best to me at least right now. And then you got that if-then, right, right, Jeremiah? If. See that? Wasn't that fun? Like a little gadget. It's like a night vision or something. You can see it. You can see it. If-then. Okay, let's move on. Next verse. Yeah, you notice I'm not breaking down by verses, but by sentences. So next sentence. So verse uh, 3 and 4, broke it down into four thoughts. Do, not, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what do you see here? Hey, look at you guys. We'll just pack up. You guys got it. This is great. We'll just do this for fun. Negative, positive. Is there another one? Hey, good. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm doing negative and positive, but sometimes you've got to stare at it for a few minutes to figure out if it's an alternative or not. Um, and in these, this specific case, these seem like one is subordinate to another. One cancels out the other. is opposite. So I would do negative and positive here. Sometimes you could do either. And, and by the way, let me say this. I had a really good friend say this. He, you know what's great about tracing is that even if you get it wrong, it was really helpful. And so uh, it's true, fiddling around with it, but you're seeing a lot more than you saw when you started doing this, Uh, even if in the end you're a little confused about a relationship or two. Before you started, you had no idea there was something to be confused about. Your mind was running with some line or some word somewhere else in the paragraph, and you're missing the middle of the thing. All right, what's the relationship of three and four? Looks like a series to me. Boom. Series. Rocking. Okay. Now, five through seven. After doing some work in the passage, it seemed apparent to me that verse five, although part of a sentence that continued, was really standing as a header over an entire section. So I've separated it out here, and we're not going to connect it yet to the rest of this little this sentence for that reason. Sometimes you, you start doing work and you, you have to reprint it out. You print out your proposition, you reprint it out because uh, you, you want to redo that and do it a little different way. You might have done that in this case. You realize, no, I've got to back way up. This five here may connect with a much larger section. So I'll separate it out. Um, now, verse five, what, what do you think the relationship is there? 
Yeah, how? You see, you could do that. Uh, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Just bringing up, Je- Jesus has something to do with how that comes about, how it's possible, um, what that looks like. I put comparison, different translations. You may be real familiar with the NIV or NAS. I think one or both of them says, um, it's like a just as, it's a comparison. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. The ASV translated, which is yours in Christ Jesus, um, which can make it sound like a ground clause. So have this mind in yourselves because you're in Christ Jesus. And then he'll go on to explain. Paul, Paul there's, a, there's a familiar formula in Paul, though, as you read Paul's letters, where he'll say, forgive as Christ is forgiven, where Christ is something like an example. He's comparing what he means for us to be and do with what Christ has done for us. I think that's what's going on here. So I'd call this a comparison. CF. There you go. So a comparison. Let's look at 6 through 7 now. What do you see there? Who, who, though he was in the form of God, although he was in the form of God, did not account equality of God with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. There's a negative positive there. We'll wait to diagram that. First one is concessive. Good. Okay, what else do you see? Action manner. By taking on, in, in, by, so, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Here's how I'll do this one. Action manner. Sorry, sorry about my handwriting, folks. And I'd actually do this, too. Action manner. And then somebody said negative positive? Yeah, I think so. Here you go. Five through seven. Remember, we're going to keep five. We're gonna, five's going to hang out. We're going to save five. We're going to save it. If we draw a line like this, we're going to have to reprint that sucker out and redraw our line. Or maybe, maybe I should use a pencil. Maybe, is that what I should do? <laughs> use a pencil when I do this stuff? Oh, okay. Okay, verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What do you see here? Your sheet's got an old version of how I broke this down, by the way. So look at the screen on this one. Hey, I didn't even update my screen. Sorry. Yeah, I got a new proposition right here. A new thought right there. So. Yeah. There you go. Hey, there you go, Josiah. Look at that. Action manner. The rest of it? What do you think all of this is doing? I think it's a progression.
keeps building on his point of Christ's humiliation. In being found in human form, well, he didn't account equality a thing to be grasped, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Oh, I, was, I think the whole thing is a, is a progression. Oh, I don't know. That's what I'm seeing. Let's keep clicking here. Okay. So 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What do we see here? Eh, I think you might be looking at an action purpose. At least that's what I saw. Progression? Where do you see the progression? 10A through 11A? So that at the every, uh, name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? I think that's what that, I think that's what that is. Okay. Got a series here. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and God bestowed on him the name that is above every name. How does this 11b to the glory of God and the Father relate to what's above it? Action purpose? I think so. Okay, and how does all this down here relate with the, the top, the series at the top? God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name of a series so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. I think it's a purpose in order that. But action result is very close. And sometimes it's not exactly clear. Yes? Yeah, great question. Sometimes, um, that's why I say it's not an exact science. You can end up drawing it one way and you go, I think maybe you, it goes like that. Um, yeah, so why not? Why isn't to the glory of God the Father kind of at the very end over that whole section? God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It, it seems to me, and there may be a more a, a grammatic, a more careful grammatical explanation for this, but it seems to me that to the glory of God the Father is that purpose for which Jesus is being exalted. He's being praised to the glory of God and the Father. His knees are bowing before him to God's glory. But all of this down here, therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the knee, it seems to me that there's a turn right there between verse 9 and 10 through 11. And so I did an action purpose from 9 to 10 and 11 as a section. But some of that is what you're tinkering with when you're looking at. You're trying to figure out how far back does that line go? 
What does it refer to? And this at least is how I've put this passage together. Okay, so we did a bunch of sentences, right? We did a bunch of sentences. Well, we want to zoom out a little bit and connect all of those together. I want to see how all of those relate. So one way to do this is to get out a piece of paper and scratch out, or even on your computer, type out, maybe in this case, five summary statements or uh, short lines extracted from those sentences um, as little summaries. It can help visually simplify this process instead of maybe working with the whole paragraph like we have been. We've gone verse by verse. Now, how do these relate to each other? If there is any encouragement in Christ, complete my joy by being of the same mind, same love, of full accord. Do not, do nothing from selfish ambition, but in humility count others. Let each of you look not into his own interests, but also the interests of others. Right, verse 3 and 4. Um, I think uh, there's an idea explanation here. I think... Um, He's saying, if there's any encouragement in Christ, complete my joy by being of the same mind. He gets specific. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more than you. He's unpacking what he has told them to do. It could be action manner, but I think it's maybe the best way to represent it is idea explanation. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, verse 5. I told you I thought that was stood at the head of the following section, really in the middle of the whole paragraph. It's something like a summary statement. Verse 6 and 7, he did not account equality with God the thing to be grasped, and he continues. Verse 8, he was obedient to the point of death. Verse 9 through 11, therefore God highly exalted him. How do you think some of these other little sections, many sections relate? There's a progression right here. Yeah, I think he's piling on, right? This whole thing is about Christ. All, how far Christ came. He did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, obedient to the point of death, right? All the way to a, even death on a cross. So he's piling on. There's a progression of thoughts here. conclusion, therefore, that'd be a result, it could be a result, you, you could diagram it that way, Jesus did this, and as a result, God highly exalted him, that may actually be a better way to diagram it than what I've done, I put it as a conclusion, um, what's the relationship of five to... Five to what comes before or after it. How would you diagram five? How would you attach five to something from here? Situation response. Have this mind. That's not quite what I'm thinking. Um, yeah, idea with an explanation. How, where, attaching it to what? Uh-huh. Huh? Is this what you mean? I think that's right. So have this mind in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. 
who? And then he talks about Christ for a couple verses. So he makes a summary statement, and then he unpacks it. He explains what he means. What's the relationship of verses 1 through 4 to verses 5 through 11? My handwriting is going to really start breaking down here, especially as I run out of space, folks. But What's the relationship of verses the first half, really, of this whole paragraph to the second half of the whole paragraph? I think you've got a comparison, remember, down where it says, uh, have this mind in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, or which is yours in Christ Jesus. I think that's a comparison. But if there's any... Encouragement in Christ, complete my joy. There's a command there. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Do not be selfish, but look to the other's interests. And then the Christ section. How would we diagram the relationship of those two halves? What was that, Ben? If then. I think we saw an if then right in verses 1 through 2. If there's any encouragement in Christ, then complete my joy. I don't think that's how these parts relate. Action manner. How about this? I'd put that next to the bracket there. Yeah, I think he's saying, uh, if there's any encouragement in Christ, complete my joy by being of the same mind, demonstrating your unity in Christ that he has made possible for you. Have, have this mind, this this. This mind that looks to the other's interests, that, that to use language from other words, that just bears with one another in love, that's, that, that participates together in the spirit, that isn't from selfish ambition, that, a mind of humility that counts others more significant than yourselves. Have this mind which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, Christ, who though he was in the form of God, humbled himself. Look at his position and where he came from and what he did. Humbled himself. How did he humble himself? empty himself. He did that by taking on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, progression, he he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name. He's talking about Christ in order to illustrate, to show you what this looks like, and to give you a motivation to spur you on, to persuade your heart of the goodness of it and the reasonableness of this command to show you what it looks like as an example. He gives you the action he wants you to perform, humility and sameness of mind and unity, and he shows you the manner in which that's to be performed with the example of Christ. So there you go. Um, If you turn, turn to the next page where you can see the diagramming, basically what I just demonstrated for you, You'll see the sentences, and then you'll see how at the bottom we broke down that whole paragraph. You can, you can, it's like mapping tool. You can see what we're looking at here, how the parts relate to one another. And on my computer with a box, I put a box around number five. With a highlighter, you might go, Psh, that's the middle right there. That's a summary statement. That is uh, pulling everything in this paragraph together. You won't always get those, but sometimes you do. So some, some quick takeaways then. Some quick takeaways. Without following Paul's train of thought, we'll either miss the point of his doctrine of Christ or we'll miss the power for practical exhortation to unity, right? So we've all heard for good reason this passage read in the context of corporate worship to set our minds and our affections on Christ. 
But if we're familiar with this passage and even memorize it, um, that will be to much good effect. Go ahead and do it, the second half of Ephesians 2. But you won't hear what God is saying in his word if you don't understand why it's there in the first place. If we don't understand in the course of our reading of Philippians, it's not a random burst of doctrinal explanation on the deity of Christ and his humiliation and his exaltation. It is there to stir, to motivate, and to provide an example for us of the humility that ought to be demonstrated in all of our relationships with the goal of our unity and as Ryan expressed, with the ultimate purpose of our partnership in the gospel, the preservation of the gospel, and our perseverance in the face of persecution. Remember from chapter 1, verse 27 through 28, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, so that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one, one spirit and one mind. Recognize that? Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Preservation of the gospel and perseverance and persecution. Crucial. Crucial. It takes more to persevere and to partner together than just to be told we must partner together and be unified. We also need to have our vision set on Christ, and Paul knows this, because that's what's holding him up. He's the one in prison rejoicing that the gospel is being preached, even though it's being preached, as Ryan said, by those who don't like him very much. They're preaching a faithful gospel. How is that possible? Well, he looked at the Lord Jesus who himself lived and was <laughs> denied and rejected and humiliated and came down from heaven. Paul's doctrine of Christ is the fuel that burns uh, for the Christian life and for exhortations in the Christian life. And without getting how these things relate, at least in this passage, you won't get either. No, it's not the point of the text. The text is, the text is making here specifically, there's an obvious uh, of implication for us that there's a, a corrective here for any among, among us uh, who loves doctrine but are unenthusiastic about obeying the Bible, right? Doctrine of Christ's deity, incarnation, and humiliation is utterly practical. There's also a lesson here for those who are rah-rah about practical and application but skeptical of doctrine, where doctrine is just heavy and kind of only takes so much of it. Uninteresting, maybe. Maybe not important, just theoretical. The church's practical unity, we learn here, requires humility that is nothing less than the humility of Christ. And is possible only as we look to him. Paul thought it was necessary to give a whole paragraph unpacking the doctrine of Christ's incarnation and exaltation. In other words, the doctrine of Christ is the fuel for the church's unity. So we need to listen carefully to the Bible, right? This is a book with lots of verses, and it's not always biblical. That is the first thing that comes into our mind. So we should read paragraphs like this, but always be thinking, what has God said? As Ryan said, look at words, look at sentences, look at paragraphs, and think, how do these relate to each other? As Ron said, interrogate it with questions. What, what is going on here? Why is this here? And tracing can be a tool. At least it's like a, for me, it's like a meat grinder. I can stare at a paragraph for a long time, but if I can get this tool out and play with it, hour and a half later or something, I'll come out with a lot I could say on it. Uh, when I was in seminary, I would preach uh, at nursing homes on rotation with a couple guys. A couple nursing homes, Sunday afternoon, uh, Christian and I would come home from church, get a quick lunch, and then head out to the nursing home, and a um, guy played guitar, and I'd preach, and so we had a couple of these rotations going. It was fun. Uh, and I, I tried an experiment with myself. So I was a student of theology, I was doing some teaching, and I thought, you know, what if I I decided what I would do. I'm going to go through the parables over the course of uh, a year of teaching 
at the nursing homes or a season. And I thought, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to not pick my text. I wouldn't suggest this for anybody. It was the season and other pressures and things going on. But, and I wanted to try this out. I'm going to come home. We're going to eat lunch. I'm going to relax. I'm not going to stress be thinking about this. Then I'm going to sit down at a desk with my Bible. I'm going to pick a, pick a parable. Pick it. I'm going to break it down into propositions. I'm going to trace that sucker. And by the time I was done with the tracing, you can almost talk about it for a half an hour, explaining the relationships without these terms, without doing this, walking through the text and explaining. So it's ready to teach when you're done tracing. Um, But tracing was a huge help in getting from looking at the text to outlining the text in a way that would uh, be helpful to these folks. And uh, when you... When you print it out on a piece of paper, like you saw, we broke it down into propositions on your sheet here, you can also, as Ryan suggested, write on the side. So as you're tracing, stuff's coming into your head, a memory, an illustration, a way to communicate this idea, an observation here, so you're scratching stuff out on the paper as you go. Um, for most of you and for most of us, reading, reading the Bible in, in the book of the Bible is, is, uh, is, is very good to do, and we, we should do it. At times, in study... It may be helpful to get out a blue-letter Bible like Ron showed you, copy a text, paste it into a Word document, break it up into propositions, and then to try to visually diagram the relationship of thoughts to thoughts. You might find that the time goes by a lot faster, and for the time that you invest, you get a lot more out of it. And at least for me, this tool has been fun and exceptionally helpful in making biblical texts clear for a guy without a really clear head, and who's not very good or well at grammar. So let me pray for you and thank the Lord for our time together. This section session does conclude our three-session Saturday seminar on studying the epistles of the New Testament. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the diversity of your word and your wisdom you have given us, poetry, You've given us narrative. You've given us letters to listen in on that are not only for their original readers, but for us, for our instruction. You've given us apocalyptic uh, literature as a genre. Your Bible, your word is diverse, and in your wisdom you have decided it so. And your word is full of treasure to be found in different ways with different rules depending on where we're at in progressive revelation, in the history of the Bible, but also in the kind of genre that we're in, Father. And we thank you that you have given us letters with sustained arguments so that we might be very, very clear on how we're saved and to live. We thank you for books like the book of Galatians, which make clear justification by faith from the history of the Bible. And we thank you for a book like Philippians, which carefully exhorts us, lovingly exhorts us to unity and to humility, and to partnership, and to perseverance, and does so by focusing our heart's attention on the Lord Jesus, who was utterly humble and was humiliated for us, but, is, but who is now exalted and whose present exalted state because of his perseverance and faith and faithfulness is an encouragement to those of us who are suffering now and even suffering persecution. We thank you, Father, for the book of Philippians, many exhortations to us and its encouragement to our partnership in the gospel. May may this kind of love, may this kind of unity, may this kind of humility, may this kind of a seeking others' interests before ourselves be characteristic of our church here. 
And we ask all of this uh, in the name of Jesus Christ and to the glory of God the Father. Amen.